before we get started, I need you to do me one favor. Pull out your phone and text this number, 501-214-4307. I just want to text you a couple of times a week, send you some fun messages, videos, just to encourage you on your unconventional journey. Again, all you got to do is text 501-214-4307. I just want to be your friend, y'all. Just text me. This project was started because it got Brian and I excited to do it not because we thought it was a good business. In a weird in a weird irony, that is the thing because we were so in touch with with the part of it that got us excited. You know, we are going to make the shirts that we wish we could wear every single day. We want to put videos out there so that that next blind kid who comes out of the doctor's office because he lost his eyesight can actually see people who are living normal, great, successful lives. And so that that kid's mother, like our mother, isn't just in a room crying herself to sleep for three weeks, wondering about her kid's future. And we are very lucky to be in a position to say something about that. And that, that got us fired up. I was born with several falls. I have always felt small. I was told not to take risks. I may be blind, but I teach people how to see. And I'm proud to be an individual. This podcast is for you, the unconventional leader. Maybe you are the one that everyone discounted. Maybe you struggle with fear and self-doubt. We are here to empower the next generation of self-starters to step up. Use their voice and make an impact in this world. You owe it to yourself to get on the field with those things that you are passionate about. What is up, my friends? Welcome to today's episode. That is a quote from two incredible unconventional leaders that I had the honor of connecting with, two blind brothers. You heard that right. Two blind brothers who want you to trust them. They want you to trust them and buy something that you have never seen before. Say what? What am I talking about? Y'all, I ran across them over on TikTok. It was an ad they had where they were with Ellen DeGeneres and they're talking about shopping blinds. And I'm like, who are these people? What are they, what are they doing out in the world? Went to their website and I was like, oh my goodness, this is unconventional. Bradford and Brian Manning are two blind brothers on a mission to cure blindness. At a young age, they were diagnosed with an eye disease that causes blindness over time. To fight back, they left their former careers to start two blind brothers, a small charitable clothing company that donates 100%, let me say that again, 100% of their profits to drive life-changing research for a cure for blindness. This conversation inspired me so much. We're going to actually be dedicating a Fidget Friday about the things that I pulled from that and the way that this conversation challenged me on a personal level. Today, they share with us why they view themselves as a media company and not just a clothing brand, why hiding causes shame and why they believe the success of the brand is because they authentically cared as much as they could and none of it was manufactured. Guys, connect with twoblindbrothers.com. Such a fun experience that is linked in the show notes. And listen, this is an episode you want to share out. Please take a screenshot, share it with one individual in your life who has a passion around a certain topic and they really want to build a brand around it. Take a screenshot, share it with that unconventional leader in your life. And let's go ahead and get into this. Are you ready? These two blind brothers who want you 
to trust them, Brad and Brian Manick. Brian and I both have this rare eye condition called Stargardt's disease. It's basically a juvenile form of macular degeneration. A lot of people's like grandparents will get macular degeneration. We got a version of it that you get when you're like five years old, or at least that's when we got it. You know, we actually lived pretty typical childhoods, pretty typical upbringings. But, you know, essentially five years ago, we had this experience where we were shopping. And if you are blind or visually impaired, shopping can be a big pain in the butt because you run around, you can't see the labels, the sizes. Sometimes you can't see whether it's a men's or women's shirt. I've made that mistake um, once. What you do is when you run your hand across something that feels really good, then you'll do the work to find out if you, if you want to buy it. And so coincidentally, we ended up buying the same shirt at this uh, at a Bloomingdale's. And when we walked out, we realized, well, number one, I can't wear the same shirt as my brother. Uh, that's just weird. And we aren't twins. So, uh, <laughs> so we played rock, paper, scissors. I won. He had to return the shirt. Uh, side note. But we realized in that moment, maybe there was something kind of to this, this vigilance to touch. And we had been looking for a way to contribute back to a cause that was very personal to us. These preclinical researchers that are actually finding treatments now for um, these inherited diseases. And that's when we thought maybe this could be our way to give back. Um, and we came up with the, our brand, two, two Blind Brothers, with, with those two simple missions, make the softest shirts in the world and help cure blindness by donating 100% of the profits. And, uh, and, and, you know, it was a side part-time project. And uh, maybe just so I don't steal all the good stuff, I'll, I'll let Brian uh, fill in the rest of the blanks uh, from when we left our full-time jobs. Yeah, as, as one fun aside is, you know, a lot of people, a lot of people, you know, kind of think about entrepreneurship or starting a business or doing that as, as burning the ships. You know, you have to mortgage the house, you have to basically give up everything. And then you can be an entrepreneur. Brad and I started this as, hey, on the nights, on the weekends, it was something fun for us to talk about. We're having a beer. It was just an, a cool little project we were getting going. Well, we started getting some media attention. You know, Fox 5 chasing news in New York City calls us. And so I had to call in sick to work. I was working at a big data company. I, I love my job, but I called in sick because I didn't want to tell them that I was you know, doing media for another company. Apparently, that doesn't go over well with Fortune 500s. Well, we do Fox 5. It's super fun. I call in sick. Then we get another media inquiry. We go do that. Call in sick. I go to do now this. Call in sick. I think they thought I was dying. Uh, but no one really had the gumption to be like, Brian, this is, this is getting a little ridiculous. You got a lot of doctor's appointments. Well, I came, I came clean, uh, right before we were on the Ellen DeGeneres show because I was terrified of walking into work the next day. And this happened with my boss's boss's boss comes by my desk and he goes, can I speak to you? I was like, we've never talked before, but happily. And we walk into an office and he's like, hey, my wife and I caught you on Ellen. You did great. Looked awesome. Really well done. We're going to take all the PTO. I was like, great. That seems like a really good dream. Yeah. So what were you guys doing in the corporate world? Did you, were you 
doing marketing or branding business? Because you guys are so good at it from, I mean, just your online presence is next level. Is this what you were doing in the corporate Literally world? nothing related to anything. Really? To Barn Brothers. No marketing, no e-commerce, no branding. Oh, wow. I was doing, um, I was uh, an analyst at an investment firm and Brian was doing sales for a data company. So it was, it's, I'm assuming pretty risky walking away from that and going all in with this. I mean, what was that process like for you and gave you the courage to do that? Well, as Brian was saying, basically, we didn't do that until we actually had this great wind at our back. So essentially, we were on the Ellen DeGeneres show, NBC Nightly News. We got big endorsements from Richard Branson, from Sheryl Sandberg, the CEO of Facebook. And at that point, we thought, okay, like, like shame on us if we don't sure. run with this as hard as we can. This is a passion project that we never thought would grow beyond that. And now we have this situation where it's not like leaving your full-time job to start a clothing brand. I mean, that's like what, sure. it's probably one of the most competitive businesses you could be in. We just sure. happen to be... We, so once you have... Alan, Richard Branson, Cheryl Sandberg, and a bunch of news outlets telling you to, to that you're doing a great job. That gives you a lot more That's confidence. All. That's all, people. There's the key to success. Just get Ellen involved and you're good. It's not, yeah. it's not that difficult. Step one. A lot of entrepreneurs ask me that. I go, step one, get on Ellen. I'm curious, though, the media piece, what do you think was drawing people to your brand where you got that first gig and you started getting attention, that traction there? I know so many leaders, entrepreneurs are just desperate for that. They have a story. They have a passion. Uh, but getting that voice and that message out there, what do you think drew people into what you guys were doing? It's a great question. And, you know, we've had a lot of time to reflect on it. At the time, we were doing like what most people who haven't spent a lot of time in the industry do. We're like, yeah, let's try this and hope that it works. But we made a video, one of the smartest things we ever did. We got a, a buddy who was a Starbucks barista and we made a video that actually had very little to do with the shirt itself. We made a video talk just as authentically talking about ourselves, yeah. our visual impairment, being brothers, our mission yeah. to cure blindness. And as a tangent, we're making this shirt as a conduit mm. for all of those other things that we care so much about. And then we had the great fortune of speaking to a niche community, the visually impaired community, which mm. a lot of people don't think about very often as being big. But in the United States, there are 11 million people that suffer from retinal eye disease. Wow. It's an enormous group of folks who aren't necessarily always thought of. There's yeah. a lot of clinicians that are spending a lot of time. There are some of the greatest doctors and scientific minds in the world working on this. And they're just absolutely phenomenal advocacy foundations that are dedicating every single day to trying to improve their lives and improve mm. what's going on. But there really wasn't, and this is unbeknownst to us until we started, a fun, high energy, for lack of a better word, clothing brand sure. that was out there speaking to them and mm. saying, hey, hey, here's who we are. And we're doing great. And we want you to do as well as we are. And just as putting out as much empowerment and authentically caring as we possibly could. And I think that mm. part of the story that none of it was manufactured because mm. we never believed it was going to be successful. So we just were like, yeah. we're going to talk to what we know ourselves. You were sort of asking for the 
folks who are listening to this or your audience, how do they get press? How do they get publicity? They have stories, they have missions. You know, the truth of the matter is the competition for attention is actually just a lot higher than most people recognize. I think that's one thing that we've come to appreciate also after running tons and tons of ads. So you have a story, you have a mission. Is that packaged in the in a way like it's a movie trailer? Like if you were sitting in a movie theater and 10 movies were presented before the before you were what you were there to see, is is your story that good or is it like or worse than, you know, the 500 other stories that someone's going to see that day. I mean, you're competing with, you know, your your on social media for example, you're competing with your grandmother's birthday, you know, post, you're competing with the unconventional leaders podcast, you're competing with the, something the president said. I mean, so your story you really have to try to draw out the aspects of it that make it just absolutely unforgettable. Yeah. So that, I think that's just the, the key, unforgettable. And I think sometimes we're living our story so long. That this is just who I am. This is what I've walked through. This is what, you know, that there's this, I guess, not valuing your story and thinking that it's worth sharing or worth telling. Um, did you guys face that at all? Or was it easy for you to identify what people were really going to connect with? Well, well, we started with that story even before we thought we didn't even... I mean, we started with that and, and without the business plan, you know, because this project was started because it got Brian and I excited to do it not because we thought it was a good business. No one prospectively should look at doing a, you know, a, 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 a social clothing brand. There's about 50,000 of them right now trying to get your attention. The only reason we did it is because it got us so hyped. And so in a weird, in a weird irony, that is the thing because we were so in touch with with the part of it that got us excited. Hey, you know, you know, we are going to make the shirts that we wish we could wear every single day. We want to put videos out there so that that next blind kid who comes out of the doctor's office because he lost his eyesight can actually see people who are living normal, great, successful lives. And so that that kid's mother, like our mother, isn't just in a room crying herself to sleep for three weeks, wondering about her kid's future. And we are very lucky to be in a position to say something about that. And that, that got us fired up, you know? And so that, that's what helped us when we were putting ourselves out there. I'd love to hear a little bit more about your, your, your actual story. You said that at a young age, you were diagnosed with this. Um, just what was what was what were you guys like as as young men and young boys? I mean, were you always collaborating on different projects and so forth? Were you this passionate about this topic? I mean, how were you and how did you involve into the men, the passionate men you are right now? Being the younger brother, uh, I'll I'll speak to this. Uh, <laughs> Brad was a nightmare. I like I don't know if I can express in words. A the, nightmare, really? Oh my God, he how would come? pick on me. He would tease me. He would shun me. And I was like, this is, look at this. He's the coolest guy in the world. I think he's the best person on the planet. And then I would, you know, it's just, it was tough. Uh, the vision thing aside, Brad was, no, I'm kidding. Um, <laughs> so growing up, uh, you know, Brad and I were diagnosed at 
about five years old. Oh, wow. Or seven years old, kind of having symptomatic at five. And we have unarguably some of the greatest parents on the planet. It's awesome. They instilled the value that vision impairment, yes, it was a challenge, but it was a challenge that we could understand and overcome and that it was never allowed to be made an excuse yes. in our lives. And yeah. it wasn't allowed to dictate who we were. Mm. And it forced this mindset on us that everyone has their challenge. Everyone has their problem. In elementary school, it might be that kid is short. That kid is tall. That kid has big ears. That kid right. can't jump. That kid didn't make the sports team. Your thing is you just can't I'm see. I'm sitting right here. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> he should have big ears. Um, so, but we, but we, but that mentality was, was drilled into us from an early age. And then as we grew up, you know, one story that, that, that I, I really kind of, I, I appreciate now looking back was, you know, my first day in high school, I'm mm. 13 years old and I was going to a brand new school. If anybody out there are listening, has a disability or has a major challenge or has something about themselves, you your first instinct is to hide it and, mm. and, and keep it away from everybody because that's what you think can really hurt right. you. And I did this on that day. I just sat in the back of the class. I didn't talk to the teacher. I just really was like, just for today. And the teacher, who is a physics teacher, calls me to do the problem on the board. And I obviously can't see it. And he goes, Brian, can you, can you do this? And I, I knew how to get a teacher to tell me what was on the board. I, so I go, Dr. Folo, uh, I hope he's not listening. Uh, Dr. Folo, you know, can, what, what, what problem do you want me to do? What exactly do you want me to do up there? And he just goes, Oh, this right here. And I go, mm. Dr. Folo, you're, you're kind of pointing to yeah. a couple things. Can you really, can you, can you zero in on what exactly you want? And he just goes, this problem right here. Wow. And I just, I was like, okay, easy. I'll use my catch all. Dr. Folo, I'm so sorry. I just, I don't know how to do it. And he looks at the problem and he looks at me and he goes, stop goofing around. It's wow. simple division, do the problem. Wow. And as you know, my, de my head is just sinking towards my desk. Mm. I'm admitting to Dr. Folo, I'm admitting to my class, and I'm just saying, I, I can't, I just can't see it. I just, I'm, and I'm almost in tears. And as terrible as that moment is, as heartbreaking as it was for me, it did teach me a really good lesson that hiding the disability, hiding the thing that was challenging for me was actually causing 10 times more shame than being authentic to who I was and yeah. actually living that life. Because if I mentioned it to anybody, that would have been easy. Hiding it was what hurt and what was yeah. so challenging. Yeah. And so when it came to Two Blind Brothers and starting the brand and starting the mission, like, had we ever publicly talked about our visual impairment? No. But had we accepted that it was a part of our lives and were comfortable with it? Of yeah. course. Like you just had to. Yeah. You know, one of the things I, I loved reading one of your blogs was this idea of loneliness and addressing that and helping people feel a part of a community and feel seen and heard and understood. And that there were people reaching out to you saying, like, I didn't know anybody else had this. You know, I've, I've been dealing with this myself. Tell me a little bit about, about creating that space, why that's so important, because also to using your voice and accepting yourself as one bit. And then when you do that, that empowers other people to 
you know, give voice to them as well. Uh, what's that experience been like for you guys over the past five years? It actually took over the whole spirit of our project. I mean, mm. as you mentioned at the top, you know, the, you know, it was really about creating, you know, soft clothes and donating, you know, the profits to an organization we were close to. We totally underestimated the fact that this ultimately was about the the community wow. and it's it's frankly the thing that gets us the most excited because it's so tangible and you know we'll we'll have, we'll have people reach out on a you know on a daily basis that will tell us their story what they're going through they'll comment on some aspect of some piece of content or interview mm-hmm. or something that they saw and it gets us really fired up because you know the same way that it's so easy for Brian and I to look at some of these messages or some of the people that actually, for whatever reason, haven't been, you know, in the same headspace that we've been with it or just haven't had the same relationship with the disease. It's, Mm -hmm. you know, they really have a low self-esteem about it. It's so easy for us to imagine ourselves in that situation. It's very rewarding and it's, and we feel almost like an obligation at this point to provide um, what, what we can, you know, to that community uh, because we have been given a little bit of a platform, um, you know, through, through this project. Yeah. Now giving a hundred percent of your proceeds to, um, to research coming about that decision. And um, I don't know, dude, I, I, I could, I've heard of brands like 50%, 25%, but you guys are like all in with that. Yeah. Well, it, it's not a business decision. That's for sure. <laughs> you know, basically when Brian and I started this, we had small aspirations. We were going to make a few hundred shirts and we were going to sell it through the Foundation Fighting Blindness community. And, you know, we, we had, this wasn't a core business for us. This wasn't something we were, you, you know, this isn't something we ever expected you could ever actually do millions of dollars in sales in. And so why, it's why we were doing it, you know, it's why we were doing it, you know. And so the way it works is, you know, Brian and I do some work outside of Two Blind Brothers. Um, we both have a minimum wage salary at Two Blind Brothers to be on the company health insurance. And then everything, you know, at the, all the net profits go to um, organizations like the Foundation Fighting Blindness. And, uh, you know, there's some natural, you know, for anyone who's like really sort of business savvy, there, there's some big natural problems with that, which are, well, how do you, how do you handle working capital? You know, how do you pay for all the inventory in in August that you have to sell in November and December? And and you know, how do you handle growth? Do you you know to raise equity to you know to kind of ex- really accelerate the business? Those are things that we're actually figuring out now because um, you know it hasn't been it's been manageable for us. Now we're actually looking at those things, and there's a couple very kind of creative ideas on, on how to approach that while still staying true to the, um, still t- staying true to, uh, you know, the spirit of the brand. And so we're, we're, we're figuring that stuff out right now. 
how do you stay true in, to the spirit of the brand and also to kind of wrap your head around the day-to-day stuff? Because I know sometimes like I'll have to intentionally go in and like remind myself, like, why are you doing what you're doing? Returning back to the mission because sometimes, I don't know, you get on that hat of like growth and figuring out like the logistics of it and just staying true to like the people and the community piece that you guys are so passionate about. Any tips or guidance with that? Well, we feel super fortunate because as Brett said, we get messages from mothers all the time every day that are just because when you google visual impairment just because of the you know situation like this podcast we're going to kind of rise to the top and they reach out because a lot of times they don't know where to turn they don't exactly know what to do and if you could imagine you're just told that your son or daughter is going blind your world is shaking and you are just grasping on to whatever you can reach and so and because it's become probably the largest core tenant of the brand, when we sit there every day and we argue over buttons or how many we need to order, <laughs> and we think about should we change the wording of this paragraph on the about us page or yeah. what should yeah. this be, or, or you're fighting with a vendor, you have to do all of that. Because if you don't do that, the business doesn't run and you can't be there. But mm. it's very easy to recognize why you're doing it and what you're doing it for because you see these families that are affected and because we do partner so closely with these foundations that are working with these researchers and these scientists, you can see the cures that are on the horizon. That 20 years ago, there was nothing. And today there are kids that are cured of retinal eye diseases. They go from blind to sighted. And that level of, 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 of that level of joy just forces you to keep working and forces you to just, buckle down to get there. Now, now you're making the decision to go to your website and click on this buy button when you have, it's, it's almost like a dopamine rush. It's kind of cool. I'm like, oh, this is kind of neat. I, I don't know. It's, it's, I really, I want to encourage you guys who are listening. Um, I'm going to link it up in the show notes. Please go to twoblindbrothers.com and see this. This is so cool. At least the landing page I was on, I don't know how long you're running that, but you clearly click, select your sizes and it gets shipped to you. And it says, we promise you'll love it. Just trust us. You've never met us, but just trust us. What was your, I guess, reasoning behind doing that? What was the the kind of the idea behind us shopping blind? I'll, I'll let Brad go through this, but I, I just... <laughs> I, I, I hate to do it, but I, I feel obligated. I have to give Brad credit for a lot of this idea. And if, you, if you're watching this, you can see the pain on my face to give him this. It was, it's, a, it's, it's such a, a great, unique idea. And I just I, I like giving him credit for one thing every now and again. It keeps me happy. So let's, let's let it be this today. All right. Yeah, so basically, it was all my idea. And I was really the brilliant mind behind it. And, you know, Brian, I think he was on vacation when I came up with it and implemented it. No, you it's a... Uh, no, it's, um, you know, so what happened was, you know, as a clothing brand that in clothing is so hard to differentiate in, you know, we see one of our major obligations is that we're actually in some ways more akin to a media company than we are a clothing brand because yeah. if we can't, we are in the business of fighting for people's attention. Mm. Um, that that's priority number one. And then after that, you can tell them about your your shirts or your products. And so we thought, you know, it would be kind of a fun thing for holiday a few years ago during the week of Black Friday if we blacked out our website for Black Friday and 
truthfully, we thought it was like, you know, we, we were doing very minimal sales at this point. We, we just thought it was like a fun story. We thought it was good brand integrity. We actually thought our conversion rates and our, our purchase rates on our website would go much lower mm. uh, because, you know, who's going to buy something you can't see? And actually, it, uh, it, it was the complete opposite. Wow. People responded very positively to it. And then, you know, then we were in the situation where, like, we do a lot of advertising, mostly on Facebook and Instagram now, on TikTok some. And, you know, you're running two different ad campaigns. One is, you know, here's our story about how, why we started this clothing brand. Right. They're super soft shirts. Come check them out. And campaign two is, would you shop blind? You know, would you trust a company without seeing it first? You know, and you're looking at the performance and you start to realize, and that's what's so great about living in this day and age or all the metrics is, is the market, you know, and our customers are telling us we really, really are getting a kick out of this shop blind experience. So we leaned in really, really hard to it. We, um, We've developed all kinds of great products for it. We we kind of change the products out every few weeks. We have some incredible like reaction videos and yeah. experiences of people doing it. And I always hold my breath watching one of the unboxing videos, like somebody will post on YouTube, because I'm like, are they gonna hate it? <laughs> are they gonna love it? You know? And, and we've been very lucky that most people have really, really enjoyed the experience. And uh, and then just the last thing to add there, because I, you know, people people think sometimes people have a misconception about it. They're like, oh, I'm I'm shopping like a I'm shopping like a, a blind person, you know. It and 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 I guess in some kind of derivative aspects, there there's there's aspects of that that might be relatable. But what it really is is it's about trust. Um, yeah. So like when Brian and I go to a store and or a restaurant and we can't like see the menu in a restaurant, we can get out our magnifier or we can take a right. picture with our phone, you know, but oftentimes it's asking the person next to us or the waiter for their recommendation. Or <laughs> if we're going somewhere on a subway, asking somebody when to, to, to ha- tell us when we get to the station. And these little acts of trust yeah. of trust are one of the greatest tools that we've found as you know two brothers who can't see really well right. and so we just wanted to see if we could mimic that experience of allowing someone to trust us and, and trying to give them more than what they bargained for so that that's really the heart that's of where a powerful message and one thing ron i know we're wrapping this up real quick but just for an education piece you know you talk about um partial versus full i know my my stepmother, she's um, mostly blind, but she can see like, the, the, the far right corner of her eye just a little bit. And it's always like hit or miss. We don't ever know if she could see that part or not. And sometimes we just Did assume you when visual. you making faces at her, she can see you? Exactly. <laughs> it's so frustrating. Um, but it's, but there's like this assumption too about around visual impairment that, you know, that it's 100% or can you kind of explain to us a little bit just from an education standpoint about like what you guys can see and then like... Um, I, I guess the range that, that there actually is right now with visual impairment. So like any disease or anything, it, there's a spectrum. There's a wide right. variety of visual impairments. And usually legal blindness starts at about 2200. That's for de- federal definition. And to give context, 
2020 vision means you can read 20 point font from 20 feet away. 2200 means you can read 200 point font from 20 feet away from the same mm. distance. Mm. And 200 point font is, you know, we're talking six, eight inches tall. Right. So uh, Brad and I have about 2400 vision, but our one of the big challenges with Stargardt's or macular degeneration, one of the largest diseases is the cells in the center of our vision are dead. So we can't see kind of emit a ring in front of your face. Like we can't see down the middle, but the, our peripheral vision is pretty good. So we right. can walk around. If you saw us walking down the street, we don't use a cane. Some people with our disease do, uh, but we can, mobility is not a huge problem. Uh, but recognizing people, doing any sort of detail work, fine print, all that, very hard to see. Yeah. There's another subset that has a different disease where it starts on the outside and works its way in into complete blindness. Yeah. That's retinitis pigmentosa. And so you can have these kind of different spectrums or you can have partial blindness where you just, there's a quadrant of your vision mm -hmm. that still works and the rest of your eye doesn't. So mm -hmm. basically anything you can imagine is possible. Uh, and that's, but, and everything in between is right about yeah. I just, I want to thank you guys. I have one quick final question for you, but where can people connect with you online? And I just want to thank you so much for your work, your time, the uh, story piece that you're putting out on the internet right now. I mean, the, the full scale impact that you guys are having. I don't think you'll ever fully know the way that you've just spoken into people's lives, giving them hope, giving them community. It's so cool. TwoBlindBrothers.com. Is that where they should go? Is there anything else that you want to direct them to? Yep. TwoBlindBrothers. Oh, and another, <laughs> another, another, uh, our synchronized swimming event is going to be terrible later if this is how we're coordinated. <laughs> uh, uh, TwoBlindBrothers.com is a great place to start. We post a ton on Facebook and on Instagram. We tell as many stories as we can. And we're just, we're, unbelievably grateful for you having us and to you, the listeners who are working so hard for mission-based businesses. I mean, if Brad and I, our big belief and one of our main goals of Two Blind Brothers, if we can be an example mm. to have a thousand other companies like us exist yeah, for every disease, disorder, challenge, effort, opportunity, that's really when we get the multiplicative effect and that's what's going to facilitate so, yep. so much change. And so we're so grateful for you to let us chat yep. with your folks for a minute as well as you. Honored, honored. Very last question we ask all our guests. Going back in time, Brian, you talked about this young man in the back of the classroom who wasn't speaking up and he probably had no idea looking forward what his life was going to be like and the brand <sighs> and the impact and all of the things. It's crazy. And Brad, I'm not sure what you were like as a young man besides bossing Brian around, apparently. But <laughs> if you were to go back to these two young men who had not embarked on this journey yet, been on Ellen, heard so many crazy stories, built this incredible company, if you were to go back to them and tell them one thing that you know now that they did not know back then, what would that be? And Brian, we'll start with you. Oh, put me on the spot. Why don't you know that's what I do. But you're a stand-up comedian, apparently. So you yeah, you're great for my Netflix special. <laughs> I, I would, I would tell young Brian, the little guy, I would say the worst anybody can ever do is tell you no. Uh, so don't be afraid to ask. Don't be afraid to push. Don't be afraid to try. Good. And the worst that'll ever happen is they'll say no and you'll go on to the next thing. That's good. Brad, what about you? I would say that 
you owe it to yourself to get on the field with those things that you are passionate about. Mm. Um, many of us write off certain things because we just don't think that there's incredible scalable futures in them from like a career standpoint or certain hobbies. And, you know, and I think one of the fascinating things about this moment in time is that technology in the digital age has allowed you to find your the community that you want to speak to directly. It might be 10 people, it might be 100 people, it might be 10,000 people. But whatever it is that you are passionate about, you now have the opportunity to reach them. And so take take those risks, take advantage, get on the field for those things that, um, that you're passionate about because it could blossom into something with a lot of purpose, like, like it has for us. One of my main takeaways from this conversation is to attach mission, attach purpose to every single thing that you do. When you're focused on making an impact, when you're focused on serving others, like they said, results are going to follow that. Y'all, please check it out. TwoBlindBrothers.com. Are you willing to shop blind? Are you going to trust them and shop blind? It's such a cool experience. Highly, highly, highly recommend it. All of that is linked in the show notes. And before we go, if we have not connected on the TikTok, find me. It's at Heather Parody, P-A-R-A-D-Y. I love you in your corner. See you in our next episode.